Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys in their practice. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, where we offer free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. You can find out more about our program at www.masslowmap.org, and you will also find there our Mass Low Map blog, The Law Practice Advisor. Today on the Unbillable Hour, we will talk to our two guests, Carol Levitt and Mark Roche, about their new book, Google for Lawyers, Essential Search Tips and Productivity Tools. Our first guest today is Carol Levitt, president and founder of Internet for Lawyers. Carol is a nationally recognized author and speaker on internet legal research. Prior to founding Internet for Lawyers, Carol had more than 20 years of extensive and diversified experience in the legal field as an attorney, internet trainer, law librarian, and as a law school faculty member. Since starting the company, she has presented hundreds of seminars teaching legal professionals the advantages of conducting investigative, legal, and business research via the Internet. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, Carol. Thank you. Our next guest is Mark Roche, Vice President of Internet for Lawyers. Mark has 20 years of traditional marketing experience, and prior to co-founding Internet for Lawyers, he is head of a major cable television network public relations department. In addition to co-presenting with Carol, he manages Internet for Lawyers website. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, Mark. Thanks, Rodney. It's great to be here. Great. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to join us. Uh, I know you've been busy up in Maine uh, giving a, a seminar with the Maine State Bar on this very subject. So today, we really am excited about talking with you about your new book, Google for Lawyers. So just to, kind of as an introduction, what, what prompted you to write this book and uh, uh, for specifically for lawyers? Well, I guess I can answer that. <laughs> um, I was uh, on the ABA Law Practice Management's Publications Board, and Sharon Nelson, also on the board, thought it would be a great idea if Mark and I wrote a book about Google. We do a lot of seminars about teaching lawyers how to search effectively, and since Google uh, definitely has the market share, we focus a lot on Google. Uh, We also decided to share with lawyers not only how to search with Google more effectively, but how to use all their free office productivity tools to help them in their practice. To take one step back to the why is it necessary for for this kind of book, I think the if you look at Google, uh, you go to Google.com and you look at Google, what you see is it's public face. It's a search box and two buttons. And there is so much more that Google offers in the way of search tools, productivity tools, that they do less to promote and highlight than another more consumer-targeted company might uh, that it became evident that most of the people who visit Google, who use Google even on a regular basis for search, aren't as familiar as they could be with all of the tools that are available. And particularly for lawyers, 
the, uh, the advanced search features and the productivity tools that they can put to use in their practice that can replace a number of different resources that they might already be paying for to get the exact same information. Well, you know, I have to say, uh, that's what really impressed me about the book when I received my copy of it was just the uh, extensive nature of everything that you covered from search, uh, the search functions to uh, the Google applications and, and many of the other things that I hopefully will get to cover a little bit uh, today. But one of the things that, you know, always strikes me and I guess, you know, or what uh, comes up when I'm talking to attorneys about Internet uh, uh, searches is, you know, the reliability of the information and uh, its admissibility if you are trying to use that information in the court of law. Uh, and, and I know that you guys talk about that in your book. Can you tell me a little bit about what your take on that is, those subjects? Well, for credibility, that's a really good point. Um, Mark and I try to emphasize that lawyers should try to maybe cross-check some of their information. Don't rely on just one website. Um, we also teach them a couple of ways to figure out how credible a website is. And one of those would be to use the Google Advanced Search Links feature, which shows you what other websites are pointing back to and relying on a website you're considering relying on. And that's on the Advanced Search page of Google, and it's really hidden, the links function. Uh, it's, it's actually double hidden. <laughs> so we try to explain that, how to find that and you know why lawyers can try to use that to assess the credibility of a site. Um, as far as getting information admitted into evidence from the Internet, it's not that difficult to get information admitted from a website. What's more difficult is getting pages that have been collected by the Internet Archive, um, archive.org, trying to get those admitted into evidence because they're sort of a, almost a third party where I, I'm, I'm thinking that most people are sort of familiar with the archive.org which collects and stores billions of web pages for researchers in the future. Um, attorneys have discovered archive.org, and it helps them find old web pages that have been deleted or changed, and they like to use these old web pages to prove something that happened in the past. And it's more challenging to get judges to allow information from the archive.org into evidence. But we have several cases in the Google for Lawyers book that uh, try to help lawyers point out to judges how these pages have been admitted. Um, we also have cases that show that they weren't admitted. So, you know, it really comes down to lawyers trying to make the best case they can and to explain as well as they can to judges why pages from the archive.org should be uh, considered uh, admissible and authentic. Well, so uh, it sounds like you have some excellent leads for attorneys right from the beginning on how they can uh, use the uh, information available to help them as attorneys in your book. Yes, and, th and that's why I guess it's called Google for Lawyers. <laughs> yeah, we try yeah. to give as many examples as possible as to why the Internet and Google uh, are useful for lawyers. And we have a lot of uh, anecdotes from attorneys that we meet around the country as we do seminars as to how they've used Google successfully in their practice. And that's what we try to share with the attorneys in our uh, who are reading our Google for Lawyers book. Great. And Mark, I know that you'd mentioned the free office applications earlier. Uh, 
and uh, tools for collaboration and and how uh, and it, it, in your book you talk about those extensively for some of our listeners that may not be that familiar with all the tools available for the for collaboration and just uh, basic office uh, needs can you kind of tell us what you're talking about as far as those applications and where they would access those absolutely rodney um google offers access to anyone really um to what is nearly a full suite of office productivity tools. It includes email, document creation, spreadsheet creation, the creation of online forms, uh, and the ability to create, post, and share those documents online all for free. Probably the best known of those applications is Gmail. Uh, Google has offered Gmail for probably five or more years But what a lot of people don't know is that beyond the gmail.com email addresses, anyone who has registered their own domain name can host their email on a Google-controlled server, but still have a customized email domain. Uh, For example, our website is located at netforlawyers.com. About a year and a half ago, we moved our email hosting from a traditional paid host to a server hosted by Google. So now if somebody sends me an email at mrosh at netforlawyers.com, it is processed by a Google Mail server, and then I can access that email either in my web browser by going to a special web address set up just for my email, or I can continue to receive and manage that email locally on my computer using Outlook or Entourage or any email client that I'm already familiar with. So I don't really need to change how I, as an end user, manage my email. I'm just using Google to manage the back end, and they do it for free. Some of the other uh, productivity tools that are available include Google Documents, uh, which, as Google refines it, starts to look more and more like the paid version of Microsoft's Word word processing program. The, uh, the menus for formatting text, changing fonts, uh, formatting paragraphs, etc., would look very familiar to anyone who's uh, familiar with Microsoft Word or WordPerfect. But here again, the ability to create these documents is free. Google gives us the ability to store them online in a, in a secured storage location where we can decide as the creator of a document who has access to it. I can upload a, a Word document that I've created on my computer from my computer to the Google storage and then access that document anywhere uh, in the world from any computer that has web access. I can also decide who I want to share that document with. If I have a client or co-counsel who I need to get input from, particularly if there are multiple people who I need input from, I no longer have to send them each a copy of the document and then wait for them to send back their notes and then integrate all those notes into the final version. I don't have to wonder who's got the most current version of a document. If I post it online and give each of those people the ability to access it and comment on it, and make changes, those all happen in real time. It all happens on one version of the document, 
But I, as the owner, can see all of those changes and control which of those changes are integrated into the final version. I can then print or download the document back to my computer, and it becomes like any other word processing document. And I think what... Oh, what really impressed me as part of that whole collaboration thing was how two people can actually be on that Google document at one time and both almost be working at it simultaneously or at least seeing what the other one is doing. And that's, and that's a, a fairly new introduction um, to Google Documents. Um, and it is, it is a pretty powerful, pretty amazing collaboration tool. There are probably a half dozen other similar online collaboration tools that allow you to work in real time with the, the people who you need to work with. Again, whether it's co-counsel, it could be people in your office, even if they're in the office or traveling. It could be contract attorneys you're working with or your clients. You can all be looking at the document at the same time. You can even be talking on the phone while you're both making changes or editing the document. You can take it one step further with another of Google's tools, Google Voice, which allows you to make and take uh, voice telephone calls from your computer. Or you can chat using Google's chat feature from your computer with your collaborator. Or you can just both be making text edits to the document. But as you suggested, uh, Rodney, now we can see those changes in real time. Yeah, it seems like an incredibly powerful tool. Um, and, and Carol, it, let me it's, keep... a, it, it, it's a very powerful tool that is that a lot of people are paying for from other sources that Google makes available for free. Now, I, I should mention that there is a paid version of the, the Google uh, Docs suite, uh, but it, it's phenomenally reasonable. Um, it's $50 per year per user. It's not per month. It's $50 per year. And the main advantage of that is the availability of additional uh, technical support. But generally, the, the tools are so easy to use and so familiar if, if people are used to using Microsoft Word or Corel's WordPerfect that they won't have very much trouble using them at all. Well, and that brings up an interesting, and I meant to ask you about that difference between the $50 and the free version. And as you said, I mean, that's a kind of a de minimis cost. But is there any difference in the uh, security of one? And uh, should attorneys be at all uh, worried about, you know, the security of Google and putting their documents and, G- and, and email on uh, this Google platform? So to, to your first question... I don't know that there's a definitive answer currently, um, because at first, Google has been very clear that there was, uh, there was no difference in the security of the documents, whether you were in a, uh, a free version of the apps or you had the paid version. Now, more recently, uh, the city of Los Angeles was transitioning from traditional desktop applications like Microsoft Word and Outlook to the full Google suite of applications for all of the city employees. But some of the uh, city unions raised some issues around privacy, and Google and the city of Los Angeles announced that they were going to be implementing essentially a separate layer or a higher level of security 
for the documents that belong to the city of Los Angeles. So what that means with regards to the, the security level of, of documents for the rest of us users, whether it be of the free service or of the paid service, is, is, is unknown. Um, but Google has gone out of their way to, uh, to describe the high level of security that's available in both the standard free and premier paid services um, as being well, highly secure, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Um, they, they've gone through a number of processes and audits to ensure that the information remains, uh, remains secure and is as unaccessible as possible. Now, with, uh, with regards to the security concerns and ethical concerns, there are a couple of ethics opinions pointing to the online storage of client information. Um, uh, one, uh, New York State Bar Association has an ethics opinion, uh, 820 from 2008, uh, and they say in part, a lawyer may use an email service provider that conducts computer scans of emails to generate computer advertising, where the emails are not reviewed uh, or provided to other individuals. Uh, and that's one of the concerns that we hear very often about the free version of Gmail or the Google-hosted domain-specific email, is that Google is serving advertising next to your messages based on keywords and phrases that it finds in your messages. But because that process is completely automated, in this case, the New York State Bar doesn't uh, recognize that as a breach. Mark, I'm, I hate to, Mark, I hate to inter intervene, but we have to take a short break right now. And then when we come back, we'll uh, follow up on this conversation. Thanks a lot. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour in the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Down. I'm joined by Carol Levitt and Mark Roche, and we are talking about their new book, Google for Lawyers: Essential Search Tips and Productivity Tools. What I, there's so many tools, uh, obviously, and research uh, information available on Google. But one of the things that caught my eye in reviewing your book, and I, I know we use it here in my office, is Google Analytics. Uh, and can you tell me about what kind of information attorneys can get with Google Analytics and how it's helpful for the law firms? Uh, in short, um, Google Analytics gives any website owner the ability to see in near real time the reach of their website. What are the most popular pages? How are visitors getting to their website? What keywords or phrases are they using at search engines to find their website? Which pages are people reading most often? How long do they stay on the page? All sorts of very useful analytical tools 
uh, related to the content on their website. Uh, for lawyers who are marketing their services on the web, it's important to know which pages of their sites are useful, which pages people uh, are reading, which pages people come back to, and also how people are getting to their site. Google Analytics allows you to do all of that in a very graphical display, easy to understand, easy to read, and it does it for free. And uh, anyone can sign up to use Google Analytics? That's absolutely correct. Anyone who owns a website can, well, anyone can sign up for Google Analytics. Once you have your account, they give you a, a small, I think, four or five lines of HTML code that you then paste into each page on your website. And by monitoring how often that code is loaded, when the page is loaded, Google Analytics is able to track all of that information that I just mentioned and more about the performance of your site and the visitors to your site and where they're coming from and how they got there. Great. Well, Carol, let me ask you this question since you're more of the search person. Uh, I know you, you mentioned Google's Uncle Sam search in, in the book. Can you tell us what that is and how it benefits attorneys? Well, Google Uncle Sam basically uh, allows attorneys to search or to focus their search on government sources. Um, so sometimes you don't really want to know uh, something from a commercial website or, you know, someone's personal website. You really want to get information that's directly from government sites. Um, besides Uncle Sam, uh, we also like the government's own website, USA.gov. I'll just throw that one out because okay. that also searches government documents only. So people typically uh, like to use either Uncle Sam or the USA.gov site when they want to get a federal, state, or local document. And Carol, I mean, if you had to, you know, and, and I know you do this all the time, but just uh, what's, what's the, like your favorite uh, Google search tool or, or database or uh, that you like to tell attorneys about that you find that most of them don't know anything about? Well, I'll give you um, a general one and a specific one. Uh, okay. Generally, I like people to click on the advanced search button on the home page of Google when they do that, they get so many other uh, useful features and functions, and that's what we teach at our seminars, and that's what our book uh, talks quite a lot about. Um, so just in general, you know, my tip to lawyers is always click on the advanced search button on Google or really any website because you'll get extra features and functions to help you search more effectively. And then I guess specifically I would tell lawyers to look at the Google Scholar uh, database on Google that has full text case law from all federal and state courts. So from the U.S. Supreme Court to the U.S. Appellate Court to the U.S. District Courts uh, to state cases, and it's a full text free database. It's probably been available for maybe six months or so. So if you don't have uh, access to a free case law database, Google Scholar could be very useful for you. And it also includes searching of law review articles and, in addition, articles from all kinds of peer-reviewed journals, scientific, medical. So Google Scholar is uh, just a great resource, and it's maybe been out, I want, I want to say, maybe since last spring. 
Okay. Well, that's great. And guys, uh, unfortunately, we have to wrap up this edition of the Unbillable Hour now, the Law Practice Advisory uh, Podcast. I really want to say a special thanks to both Carol and Mark for joining us today. Uh, And I highly recommend that if you do any internet searching, and you should, and if you want to know how to use Google uh, fully and completely, definitely buy Carol and Mark's book. It's a wonderful resource. Uh, But let me turn it over to you, both and uh, if uh, if our listeners want to reach out to you and and find uh, your web presence or get in contact with you, how how should they go about doing that? Well, our website is netforlawyers.com, N-E-T-F-O-R lawyers.com. And I also want to just add quickly that if you're a member of the American Bar Association, there is a discount for the book. And if you're a member of the Law Practice Management section, there is an extra discount. So definitely go online to the ABA web store and check out the discounts. I, I would suggest, Rodney, if people are interested in finding us or locating us, yeah, they can search for our names right yeah. on Google. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And you can find out more about me, Rodney Dow, at masslomap.org and on Twitter at, at Rodney Dow, where I hope we can continue this discussion in 140 characters or less. Remember, you can also find this podcast and all Legal Talk Network shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and iTunes as well. I hope you'll join us again on the next on Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Thank you. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.